Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Y'all may have a seat. And as you do, let's just remember that it is because Jesus, Messiah, Jesus, the anointed authority, not only over the Jews, but over all creation, it is because of Him that we are gathered this morning. We are gathered because He came, as we've been celebrating. Uh, We are gathered not only because He came, but we are gathered because He offered Himself. He gave Himself as a ransom for many. And we are gathered because those who He gave Himself to and for, those who have received Him, He said, all right, now I want y'all to keep gathering in My name. To keep refreshing your hearts and your minds with My life and with My story and with My Spirit. And so this morning we are gathered not only to celebrate the name of Jesus, but to receive from Him that refreshing and that renewing that we need today. So let's do this. Let's just bow and ask Him for that. Lord, I love You and I thank You for who You are. God, I do pray and I ask. Well, first of all, I just say thank You so much for sending Your Son, Jesus. Thank You for Jesus showing us the way. Thank You for Jesus not only being sent, but for Him also giving of Himself, Lord. God, I pray and I ask that you would help us today as we center, as we begin this year, might our hearts, minds, lives be centered around Jesus and Jesus' way. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would you'd speak to us now. Let it not be my words, but let it be the words of your Spirit. Would you speak to us now over these next few moments? Preparing us, Lord, for today and the days ahead. Preparing us to live lives that look like Jesus. Preparing us for, to inhabit character that follows Jesus, Lord, I pray. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Um, before I uh, get into uh, the, the, the message proper, uh, not only is this a new year uh, uh, for all of us, this is a new year for Miss Brittany uh, this morning. Um, Brittany's birthday is today, and uh, she turned 29. I'm so, so proud of you, sweetheart. Uh, she's, she's a little upper of 30, um, but uh, still much younger than me. Um, so, uh, that's a, that's good for her and it's a bummer for me, um, that I'm not as young as I once was. I remember those days though. I felt like I had the whole world in front of me. Uh, I do just want to say this. I love you, my dear bride. I'm thankful for you. And, um, 
And one of the things that I'm always thankful for is your commitment uh, to uh, me and our marriage and to our family, uh, to uh, the Lord's church, Friends of Baptist Church, and uh, committed to uh, every day fighting, fighting to know the Lord and to experience Him. Um, and uh, if y'all don't know this, uh, Brittany's not very uh, shy about this, but, um, but that is a fight sometimes for Brittany. And that's one of the things that I love is that she, she doesn't give in. She uh, stands to battle. And so I love you so much. Um, and I wish you a very happy birthday. Huh? Thank you. And um, well, I'm not crying. You're crying, but. So this morning, we are uh, here in the new year, and we have, as I said, a lot of the same old, same old going on. And we found already in the book of Lamentations, kind of this word of hope. And to set the scene a little bit, for those of you who might not know, Lamentations was written, it, it, it is, it is uh, attributed to the prophet Jeremiah. And the prophet Jeremiah not only prophesied before the invasion and initial exile of Jerusalem, the prophet Jeremiah was also there after after the second time that Babylon came. It was 10 years later. The second time that Babylon came, not only did they, did they invade and exile, but Babylon besieged the city. Then they destroyed the walls and they destroyed the temple. And the holy city, Jerusalem, was left in utter ruins. And Lamentations reads as one walking through the ruins, seeing, and at times you, you, you don't know, is this the prophet? looking out and seeing the destruction of the city? Or, or is this the city herself crying out? Like, the, like this poetic way of the city looking around and seeing her inhabitants suffering and her walls broken down and, and the city looking at, at, the, at the destruction that has happened to her. But either way, what you find is that there's just been utter destruction. And, and, and before the destruction, you got to understand that the siege had created its own set of problems own miseries and atrocities had happened during the siege of the city. Um, uh, <coughs> they're really actually very, very sad to think about and to read the tales, but Lamentations brings it up. It talks about um, how, how, how there was a lack of food and the desperate things that people did for food. Uh. You can read historical accounts of this time in Jerusalem's life. And they talk about how there was like marauders who would go house to house and they would, they would shake people down, as it were, for food. And they would beat them until they told them where their food was. And if somebody didn't have food, they just kept beating them and beating them. 
It's one of those things, you know, we, we, you can watch apoc- those, those post-apocalyptic movies that uh, they're always so, so intriguing or mini series they'll have or television series they'll have of these post-apocalyptic moments, uh, you know, uh, famously uh, AMC had the, the, the one, The Walking Dead and it was a zombie show, but, but really the drama was around these, these, these people who are trying to survive the aftermath of that. And every time I think about those, I think sometimes we go, man, what would that be like? And, and in fact, what you find is like, hey, people have lived through that and lived through that and lived through that. And Jerusalem was one of those times where whenever the, the whole fabric of society and the actual city itself had been destroyed and devastated. And the prophets walking around in the midst of utter desolation, utter devastation, and the prophet is lamenting. So they called it lamentations. <laughs> no, the prophet is lamenting, grieving over the city. The city herself is grieving. And it would seem as though like there, there could be no good word that comes from this. Maybe it's not enough for you to think about them then there experiencing that. Maybe sometimes we have to put ourselves in those moments where we've had our own sort of grief. And I don't know how heavy of of losses you've experienced, of devastation you've experienced. I know as a teenager, I was very melodramatic. So anytime that... uh, Anytime I met a girl and started dating a girl, I thought we were going to get married. I mean, I was just like this, like she, she had 100% of me. Um, and, 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 and it was such romanticized love so much, right? This ideal of, 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 of being in a relationship. And, and so, so I know like what it was like to feel utter devastation as a teenager whenever I got my heart broken. Uh, Amanda Anders broke my heart. We're going to name names here today, folks. Broke my heart. And I sat on the back porch with my parents. And we listened to some old, some oldies, right? And whenever I say oldies, I'm not talking about music from the early 90s. Um, I'm talking about, you know, the 50s and the 60s. We listened to some old uh, sappy love songs and uh, my parents let me just sit there and grieve with them a bit. Uh, they were good for that. Um, maybe you've lost job and you could only imagine that this was utter devastation. Maybe it's been more than that. I think about this morning, my mind thinks about Miss Claire Jividen. She lost her husband some 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, and has now lost a son, one of her own children. And I think about her, not only has she lost a son, she's grieving now as a, as a, as a grandmother. And she's grieving as a fellow widow with her daughter-in-law. 
So maybe you should think about those moments in your life where you thought, man, everything just fell apart. What's beautiful about the book of Lamentations is it just allows for that space of grief for a while. It allows for that space of grief. And, and I talk about this a lot pastorally, but we should be open and allow for spaces and for times and for seasons of grief. Uh, we don't like it here in America. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are hopelessly uh, optimistic, right? And what I mean by that is uh, you, cannot, you cannot just look at things and go, well, that's just bad. Everybody has to put a spin on it. Well, I mean, it's bad, but look at all the good that came out of it. And there is a time for accounting for the good that, that can come out of that. And scripture tells us, you know, Paul talks about like how, how tribulation actually it can become this building block in people's lives. And we've seen that to be true. Uh, you, that's a universal truth, if you will. Like adversity can, can actually build, strengthen. Uh, it, it, it can give people uh, some wisdom. It can give them some understanding. It can give them some compassion and some empathy, right? I mean, I mean adversity has a way of shaping and forming us in positive ways. But the Lord allows for us to have a process in which we, we move through and His Spirit guides us through. Not to where we just stick our head in the sand and say everything's okay. The Lord allows us. It's just kind of like He's patient with us as, as, as babies to allow us to like grow up into maturity. He gives us that freedom, that space, and, and we forget that, but Lamentations reminds us that, that there's a space and there's freedom before the Lord to come and go, nothing's well. It's all undone. I don't see how, how, how any good can come of this. But then we get to chapter number three. In chapter number three, The prophet continues on speaking of all the devastation. And just so you know, prophetically, Jerusalem's devastation was, it was the consequence of them not listening to the wise counsel that God had given them. to turn to him and to trust him in his way. And so whenever the prophet sees the devastation of Jerusalem, the prophet doesn't just say, all these things happened to us. The prophet says, God, you did this. Even if you just allowed it, you removed your hand of protection from us, as it were, it's, that's as much as you have done it. We are suffering under, it's our consequences for our actions, but you're punishing us harshly. Now, I will say this. You can read the Old Testament prophecies about the 
uh, Assyrian captivity of the north, about the Babylonian captivity, about the destruction of Jerusalem. You can read those things. You can see the devastation there. And you can read the story that says that there was a prophet who came, who warned the city, said, hey, you need to repent. You need to turn. If you don't return, if you don't repent and come back to the Lord. And that's a, that, 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 that encompasses a lot of things. That small word, repent, it, there's a whole lot of things that need to happen. I mean, uh, the judges need to stop uh, corrupting justice. The priests need to stop, you know, just uh, offering, um, uh, you know, the sacrifices for greed. Um, the prophets need to stop prophesying uh, for greed. Uh, people need to stop worshiping idols um, that are false. Um, uh, the, 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 the uh, government needs to stop hedging its bets with other um, world leaders and, and, and get everything. There, there's so much that goes into that word repent whenever you read it. But, but what you can say is that the Lord sent prophets into the city, said, you need to stop doing what you're doing. You need to stop going the direction you're going. You need to turn around. And if you don't turn around, here are the dire consequences that are going to happen. And then those consequences happen. You can read all that and say what, what Jeremiah says. Man, this is the Lord warned y'all and now you've suffered because you didn't listen to the Lord. You cannot say, hey, an earthquake hit Haiti and that's God's judgment on Haiti. That is not the way that those things happen. You cannot go, oh my goodness, you lost your baby. Well, what did you do? You can't do that. See, the, the history of Scripture is God sends a prophet. He warns his people. He tells them that this is the consequences. And if you don't, if you don't stop, if you don't turn around, you're going to suffer these consequences. And what you should know about God's heart is, I don't want you to suffer the consequences. That's why I sent my prophet. God's not going, hey, I really want you to suffer the consequences. He's warning and he's pleading, please stop, turn around. It's like whenever my kids are doing something that's dangerous and destructive for themselves or for our whole family. And I'm going, please stop. Turn around. So prophetically, you can say, they could read it and they could say, man, because we didn't listen, God has allowed these things. There's also a good argument to, 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 to say the other way. Stop blaming God for everything. <laughs> right? You didn't listen. You brought the devastation upon yourselves. So, the prophet in chapter number three is describing all of this. And he describes it as though he's been afflicted by the Lord. He said, I've seen this. Verse 18, we could just pick up right there. He says, I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Is humbled in me sounds so proper and it sounds really not raw enough. It means like, hey, I remember my, I, I remember that my strength and my hope is dead. Any strength and hope that I've had from the Lord right now in this moment is dead. It has perished in me. Doesn't that sound so romanticized? Haven't you ever had it perished? No, it's dead. 
It's dead, doornail, dead. You know, dead is a doornail, right? Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. Wormwood and the gall. This is bitterness. Remembering everything that I've suffered, I am bitter. Resentful. Have you ever been bitter and resentful? Well, not me. I never get bitter and resentful. I'm above that because I'm a good stoic. Or no, I have. Who have you been bitter and resentful towards? What have you been bitter and resentful towards? Jeremiah was bitter and resentful. He remembered it. He spoke it. He named it. My soul has them still in remembrance. Is humbled in me sounds so pious. And I'm just humbled before. That's not what this is. I'm crushed under this. I'm broken under this. My soul, my life source has no vitality. Think about depression. He comes after two and a half chapters of grief, 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 grief. This is where I'm at. I'm miserable. I'm filled with bitterness and resentment. I have a I'm crushed. And then I would imagine that the Holy Spirit of God said, oh, Jeremiah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you, Jeremiah. But remember whenever Israel was rescued out of Egypt, And that generation just kept going against everything that God wanted them to do. They would not trust Him at any turn. Did God, did God give up on them? Did He give up on Israel? Or did He sustain and provide even for that wicked and corrupt generation throughout their 40 years of wandering? Oh yeah, He did. And remember during the period of the judges? Remember those judges? Why did they have to come? Oh, because everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. And did God give up on his people? And did he let them stay in those miserable states forever? Oh, no, you're right. He didn't. So what are we remembering here, Jeremiah? Because of his mercies that were not consumed. Yeah, that's not, that's that's probably right. Yeah, Jeremiah. Because he he really loves us, he has compassion on us, despite the fact that we are wayward. Yeah, yeah, that's right, buddy. But 
there always seems to be a new opportunity for his mercy. Yeah. It's like whenever a new day comes and the, the sun stops and, and there's a new opportunity for a new day, his mercies are new just like that. Each and every morning they're new. Yeah. Oh God, you are faithful. You are faithful when we've not been faithful. Jerusalem's not my inheritance. Yahweh, you are my inheritance. That's what the Lord is my portion means. Could you imagine walking through the city that had been promised to Abraham's family, to the land that had been promised to his family, and said, this is going to be in your, your inheritance, and now you've just lost all your inheritance? And in this moment, as you come to the end of yourself, where you're bitter, you're angry, you're crushed, you're depressed, the Spirit begins to speak, begins to call to you, and He says, okay, okay, is this your inheritance? No, 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 no. Yahweh, the Lord is my inheritance. The Lord and His mercy, the Lord and His compassion, the Lord and His faithfulness to me, that's my inheritance. So my brothers and my sisters, we walk through from one year to the next, and if we are honest about it, there's not a lot to hope in. Uh, in this world. We are in a, in, in a building that is uh, suited to probably fit 180 to 200 people comfortably, and there are 13 of us, right? And that's only sad because we miss our brothers and sisters. And it's sad too because we know that they're not here because they're sick. And we didn't want to start out another year where we were scared of people getting sick. And we're tired of it. We are fatigued. I mean, people just get to the point where I don't even know what I can do anymore. CDC has even lowered the restrictions of the quarantine. And part of the reason why they did that was not even because the virus is going away and not even because you have like legitimate medical reasons. They said, I just don't know that people can handle a 10-day quarantine period. And all of us go, we can't. We can't. I can't stay inside with my three boys for 10 days. We've done it. We live to tell the tale, but we might not make it again. So, <coughs> excuse me. We can be like the prophet walking around this world, looking at the utter devastation. <clears throat> and we should. We should name it. We should not hide from it. We should not say that, oh, well, everything's fine. Where you're bitter and you're resentful, name it, own it. Bring it, though, to the right person. The prophet is praying throughout all of this. He's offering his grief, his lament to the Lord. Remember how miserable you are, how angry you are, how upset you are. Bring it to the Lord. Remember on those days that you feel depressed, you don't have to lie about it. You don't have to go, okay, well, no, I'm actually feeling really great. You can say, God, I don't want to get out of bed today. 
Whenever you have crippling anxiety, you don't have to sit there and go, oh no, I'm just going to go. You go to God and you say, God, I can't do it. And you let the Spirit speak to you. And this is how I feel at the beginning of this year. That's not very new. Is we need to let the Spirit speak to us. And we need to receive this word from the Spirit. That just because things look the same does not mean that God is not going to be merciful towards you and compassionate towards you. And in fact, this isn't your inheritance after all. A happy, healthy life is not your inheritance. A life that does not suffer loss, is not your inheritance. Now, in America, we've been duped into believing that all these things are our inheritance. Oh, happiness, health, oh, you, that, that's your inheritance. Yet you're right, even. No, it's not. It's not what Jesus promised me. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, hey, listen, people are going to hate you. They're going to scoff you. They are going to question you. They are going to challenge you. They are going to put obstacles in your way. How are you going to handle it? Well, that's not fair. Well, God, why are you doing this? And when we come from one year where we are COVID fatigued into another year where we're COVID fatigued, we go, oh my goodness. And God goes, you know what? A world without COVID is not your inheritance. Oh, beautiful, four spacious skies is not our inheritance. But we do have an inheritance. It is the Lord. It is His mercies. It is His compassions. It's His faithfulness to us in the midst of this. Utter ruin, devastation, and desolation. So, what do we need to do then? Verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is, a good, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. In 2022, I believe it is good for us to hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. What might this look like? Well, first of all, we have an example in Jesus Christ. Well, let me articulate this a little bit more first. Whenever I read this, I see people who can patiently endure. And whenever I think about patience, I mean a patience that's modeled after the way of Jesus. The prophet will say it like this. It is good, not only that they 
wait, uh, quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. That's the yoke of the Lord and his commands. That he sits alone and keeps silence because he hath borne it upon him. That he puts his mouth in the dust. That's an image there. And all these images are, you are taking God's way, his commands. Hey, here's, what, here's the way that I want you to do this. And you are accepting them. And your mouth in the dust as you're prostrate before him. Y'all know anytime somebody says prostrate, there's always that fear. Like, did I say they're all gone? <laughs> that you're laying down before him. Listen to this. He gives his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. This exegetically and expositorily is where I get the idea that what he means is patiently endure where we're at right now. We have an example of patience, patient endurance in Jesus. Isaiah 53, foretelling of Jesus and the gospel's witness revealed this as true. It says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cast off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. It says because, but it can also say all this, though he did no violence, neither was there deceit in his mouth. For Jesus' patient endurance meant to the people who were scoffing him, who were afflicting him, who were condemning him, that he did not scoff back. Jesus did not, as the youth say, clap back. To clap back at somebody is to have a retort to them that is more clever and more cunning and that can cut them. He did not scoff when others scoffed him. He did not curse People who cursed him. Let's take it a step further. He didn't steal people who stole from him. He didn't kill people who stole from him. He didn't say, this is my inheritance. If you come in here, you're going to get a 45. He said, this is not my portion. Jesus said, this is not my portion. This is God's. Why don't you offer to Caesar that which is Caesar to God that which is God's? If the coin has Caesar's image on it, then what does Genesis say our lives? Whose image do our lives have? So Jesus is our example. And Paul, picking up on this, gives us good exhortation in 1 Corinthians 13. 
These are good words to read at a wedding. And you've probably heard them read at a wedding. But they're not good for the reason why people think that they're good to read at a wedding. They usually are read at a wedding because they sound so pretty. And he's just talking about how love is so pretty. But if you really get to the raw nitty gritty of it, they should be read at a wedding because marriage is hard. And because the love and the commitment that is required to maintain a covenant bond, a commitment to somebody for the rest of your life, requires love that is patient. Love that bears some things. You know what? Brittany and I, we, we get along pretty well, but there are some things that she does that drive me mad. One of those things being, and we're just going to, I said nice things about you, now you're going to... She cannot load a dishwasher. She has no idea how to load a dishwasher. She puts five dishes in and she's like, it's filled. Now, some of you women, you, you have this problem. This is the affliction of your husband. That's not my way. I was raised by Rick Austin. I can, I can sort and I can pack and I, 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 can, I, am, I have some OCD issues that I can get things in tight spaces. She has no ability to do that. And it is maddening. I don't know why it's so maddening, but it is. Now, on her end, she's got the goods. I don't do anything that ever makes her angry or upset. Right? Y'all know way better than that. The list is long and it's undistinguished. Right? <laughs> You, I spoke freely, you speak freely now. What's one thing that you just hate about that makes you mad about me? My pride. Oh, that's, that's the thing. Okay. <laughs> Good. Good. And that's, that, that is so true. She will, not, she will not learn how to do the dishwasher because she doesn't want me to have the satisfaction of being right about it because she knows that it is a purely pride thing. Like, I can wash the dishes, and guess what? So, and I have to check my heart on this so many times. I'm going, I'm being a good guy. Look how good of a husband I'm being and a great father that I'm being. And I'm not doing it out of genuine love. So... 1 Corinthians 13 is really a great passage to read at weddings, but it should be read in the right context that says, hey, listen, you're signing up to commit to love each other like this. But guess what? It's not just for the marriage covenant. It's for the church. See, Paul was speaking this to brothers and sisters in a church who instead of loving each other well, patiently enduring one another instead of being kind whenever uh, others were not being the kindness, but instead of forgiving whenever others were being unruly, instead of doing all these things, this church was jockeying against each other. And they were taking even the gift of the Spirit, this thing that you and I don't have ownership over. I don't have ownership whether or not I can speak Read and interpret and, and, and teach God's word. I don't have any ownership over that. You know who does? The Holy Spirit of God. Uh, Miss Felisa doesn't have ownership of the gifts, talents, and abilities that she has, not only to play music, but also to lead people in worship. Uh, 
if you get like a word of wisdom, a word of understanding about somebody and you go and you offer it to them, that will be either a prophetic word and a warning and a challenge or an encouraging word. If, you, if the Lord gives that to you and you give it to somebody, you, you don't have ownership. So we shouldn't be proud about it. But guess what? We are so filled with pride, just like I am with the dishes. And that puts us against each other. And instead of loving each other, then you start fighting one another. And so not only is this good for marriages, it's good for, for fellow disciples of Jesus who've committed, who've committed to work together, to serve together, to fellowship together, to be on mission together. And so Paul says, this is what patience looks like. I'll say it this way. Patience looks like love and love looks like patience. Patience means that you put up with things that you cannot change. With a character that looks like Jesus. That you are kind. And let's say this. You can all be kind whenever people are kind to you. That you are kind whenever others are not kind. When you don't envy others whenever they have something that you don't. Or you don't, or you don't go, well, they envied me, so now I'm going to envy them. Tit for tat. Uh, you, don't, you don't promote yourself. You don't walk around arrogantly. I'll mark those down for myself this year. You don't behave yourself unseemly. You aren't looking up for your own interest. You're not easily provoked. That's another one that I have to write down right there. See, love is patient. Or patience is love and love is patience. That means that whenever somebody makes you mad, you don't just jump into the flesh. Wear them out. It does not think about evil. It just doesn't mean that you just have an evil thought. Oh, sometimes we get so stupid about this. Like, I cannot believe I had that thought in my mind. You had it because you're a human and you have a flesh and you have, a, uh, you have impulses and you have rage and you have lust and you have just fanciful, greedy desires. Guess what? You're going to have the thought. That's not the problem. The problem is, is whenever you devise a scheme so that you can carry out that thought. It does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in truth. And I often think about this. I don't rejoice whenever others fall and fail. Ooh, have we not seen that in our political arena? Everybody rejoicing over everybody else falling and failing. Did you see what the Democrats did the other day? They're such idiots. <laughs> Glad we're not such idiots. Golly, both sides can just point the finger back and forth all day long because we're all broken. 
It bears all things. It is patient. It puts up with all things. But here's what it does. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. This I call to mind. This I have remembrance. Therefore I have hope that the Lord's mercies are new each and every morning. He is faithful to the utter end that actually the Lord is my portion. And so I'm going to endure all of this. Whether 2022 has great things in store or whether 2022 has the worst of the worst ahead of us. We, disciples of Jesus Christ at Friendswood Baptist Church, are going to endure patiently, quietly. We are going to hope in the Lord and the portion that he has promised for us. And what is that portion that he has promised for us? Well, right now, you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is a down payment, as it were, of that promise. But one day, Jesus, who has come, will come again. And when he comes again, he is going to raise us up to new life. The dead are going to be raised to new life. The living will be transformed from corruptible into incorruptible, from mortal to immortal. And he's not going to stop there. He is going to wipe away every ounce of injustice, hatred, bigotry, violence, hurt, offense. He's going to undo the death toll of those things and bring life. And he's going to bring with him a new day. We're in new heavens and new earth that will last for all eternity. This is our portion. And so my brothers and my sisters, may we, may we take the good the good exhortation from Lamentations, take the good example from Jesus and the good definition from Paul. And may we hope in the Lord fully, patiently hope in the Lord this year. And with that I say, amen. Join me for a word of prayer. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for who you are. And God, I pray and I Thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can come to you. And Lord, here's the deal. A new job this year, that would be awesome for some people. They're looking for a new job. That's not their portion, but that would be a gift. So for those who are looking for a new job, we pray, Lord, bring them that new job. Bring them that gift. But Lord, here's what we also know is that uh, whether it's a new job or a new thing or even new life, Lord, sometimes we can, we can get twisted about those being our hope. And whenever those things are lost, then all hope is lost. But the reality, Lord, is that you are our hope. You are our portion. And so, Lord, I pray and I ask that you would just please, please help us this year that we could keep our minds fixed and focused because Lord here's the fact and the reality we are weary we are worn out 
We are tired of COVID and we are tired of all the other hell that we have to endure here. We're tired of people being nasty and unruly towards one another. We're tired of the political jockeying and the political hatred and uh, uh, vengeance and uh, vitriol, Lord. We hate it. And then, Lord, we're just tired of... We're tired whenever we fail. We're tired of getting it wrong ourselves, Lord. Truth is, we point a lot of fingers, but we fail ourselves. God, we're just so ready. We're ready for the new day. But Lord, I pray and I ask that you would help us to be patient. And in our patience, that we would love. And in our love, we would be patient. God, I pray and I ask that you would hear this prayer and that this prayer would go for not only my brothers and my sisters who are gathered in this room, but for all those gathered with us via live stream. Lord, here's what we want to do. We, no matter what comes in 2022, we want to be faithful to the one who's faithful to us. We want to look like your son, Jesus. And we want to walk by your spirit, Lord. I pray that you would help us do that. I pray all these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. And all God's people said, amen. My brothers and my sisters, may we go in God's grace in this new year.